The programme which follows is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. Good afternoon, London Town and all those World Wide Web listeners. This is me, Simon Tishko. This is Isotopica. You are tuned to Resonance 104.4 FM and it is the most delightful autumn in London. Time of year change and memories and stuff like that. And today, what are we going to do on Isotopica? Today, we're going to look at the Jostic. We're going to talk about the Jostic. We're going to bring smell to radio, perfumes of the god from the pleasure palaces of Persia to the sort of old hippie trail, Kathmandu, the Hindu Kush, Ravi Shankar, ravishing women, mad drugs, psychedelia, you name it, it's all kind of here for me, wrapped up in those humble little rustling sticks of perfume and scents and burning wood. Religious? I don't think so. Spiritual, perhaps, whatever that means, but I've got a very intimate history with the Jostic. I am a bit of an old hippie, and as I say, all the way back and all the way forward, there's always been a place for sandalwood and musk and all of these masalas and things written on little Indian packets. But where do they actually come from? What's it actually made of? What do we actually do with it? I was lucky this week to go and speak to someone who actually knows and is here today on Resonance 104.4 FM Isotopia to tell us. Paul Eagle, known on his label as Happy Harry, about 20 years ago, I managed to buy some of his hand-rolled incense as he bought back from India. And I was so amazed by the quality of these temple masalas that I actually kept four or five sticks and on various trips to India and through various friends I've tried to match them and replace them over the years and I've never actually been able to and then a few months back going down a street, little stall, selling incense, natta natta natta, typical me, I tell an anecdote and they say Happy Harry, we know Happy Harry here's his phone number. So I make the call on behalf of myself and Resonance 104.4 FM. There he is at the end of the phone, Happy Harry from 20 years ago, still or rather back in the incense business and with a really rather nice story to tell. So I wandered down to the top of Labrador Grove, across the Portobello, where I met Paul and we had a very jolly good natter. We, he, uh, we learnt will learn i learn it was fun and it smells so good i'll give you all the details of happy harry and of his various incense brands because you actually can buy it which um after listening to this your little noses just like mine is right now will be twitching with delight i hope so pin back your ears tune on and turn in your synesthetic details so you can maybe pick up some of the sounds of harry's wonderful incense and Let's see what happens. Details of this, of course, are on the website, www.theculture.net. Let's pin back our ears. Let's have a chat with Happy Harry.
laid in or sprayed with perfumes. Okay, it makes sense. And that's the, that's one traditional way of making incense. The charcoal and in the sawdust soaks it up. The charcoal is the oxidizing agent and keeps mm -hmm. the stick burning, and the fragrances just burn off. But like most most dipped incense, simply for the commercial. Um, to keep them at the price is very cheap and it's very cheap because it's basically chemical fragrances and perfumes, synthetics yeah. and that's why when most people think of incense if they haven't been introduced to the real stuff they go, oh, don't like that sickly, nasty, horrible chemical smell which is what we all associate, a lot of people associate with incense sure. in the 60s and 70s and 80s up until that time most incense had this sickly, acrid, right, chemical too smell much. too much and not nice and then the stick goes out and another smell comes up you get a kind of a secondary aftertaste yeah. and, and horrible really but like cheap, cheap and cheerful and pretty much what the Indian market was requesting because most Indian, pretty much every Indian family burns incense yeah, two, three, mass. four times a day on exactly. mass and yeah. they want cheap, as many sticks for the rupee as they possibly can get so that's the mass market and he said that the real way, the traditional way, the best way of making incense is the masala method. Now masala method is totally different with the masala method. You make a sacred, uh, sacred, you make a scented dough, which uses some of the same ingredients, a little bit of charcoal, a little bit of um, sawdust. At that time, he started mentioning cow dung. Mm -hmm. Well, that seems to have dropped off a lot lately. Nobody really admits to using cow dung anymore, but cow dung, holy cow dung, holy shit. Yeah, shit of course. the holy cow. Uh -huh. Cleaned and dried, which they use in the fires and for cooking, and, and it's the thing that fertilizes the land, which is like wood powder, charcoal, not too much charcoal. Um, at the time, it was cow dung. That's kind of been dropped down now. A lot of people don't like to admit it even if they do use it but m most people don't but other things other natural ingredients like jaggery coconut sugar palm sugar okay, or yeah. even what they call secondhand honey which is honey that's been collected but has uh, not gone off i don't know exactly what it is but it's not quite fit for human consumption okay b grade honey, b grade honey if you yeah. like um which is a nat all natural sugars which again is a source of charcoal which again is a natural oxidizing agent that's what the cow dung was yeah it's an oxidizing agent it's what makes the sticks burn burn all the way down and then the fragrances are added to the dough and instead of just being sprayed on petrochemical synthetics or even you know you can get top quality dipsticks with made with pure essential oils mm -hmm. it is only the oils it will only give you the top notes yeah with the masala it's not just the oils or the perfumes it's also the resins ground up frankincense copal myrrh uh, all these other things ground up wood chips powders ground up flowers dried flowers so you get a rose dipstick and it might be made with a little bit of rose essential oil but mostly it'll be a synthetic rose perfume mm -hmm. but a rose masala is dried rose petals yeah, yeah, yeah. ground up mixed with cow dung or oxidizing agent or sugar or jaggery and wood things but it's dried rose petals mm -hmm. are put into the dough or sandalwood or patchouli or night chamber flowers or whatever fragrances as well and sometimes synthetics but because it's the dough as opposed to a spray or a dip the fragrance that you get then becomes much more complex 
Yeah, it's more, like a, it's more like a composition in a symphony, isn't it? Yeah. Rather than, as you say, just yeah. one note. Yeah, and the word is masala, mm-hmm. which we're aware of in the West with things like garam masala, yeah. which is you put in food. Well, garam just means hot. It's like a hot masala. And masala means mixture, mixture, is it? It's mixture, yeah. Mixture of spices or mixture, yeah. Okay. So masala method is a mixture of ingredients, Mm -hmm. natural, mostly natural, dry ingredients, ground up. Uh, There's a thing called a masala mill where they make the ground masala, which is a great bit like a giant mortar and pestle, which my ex-wife's got one. It takes two men to lift the thing and you sit down and grind it and the actual pestle thing is as long as your forearm and weighs about 15 kilos and you just grind down whole onions and bits and, and bits of turmeric and roots yeah. and stuff. But the same thing applies, you, you grind down all the ingredients of whatever fragrance you're making of the insects and you produce this much more complex fragrance of bass notes and top notes and mid notes and complexities that you can't possibly get from a dipstick no matter no. how what expensive thing and it becomes much more like a perfumer's tract yeah and i've heard this said before it's like a top masala agrobati or even perfumer it is is a combination of scientist psychologist and poet Beautiful, yeah. And I, I just think that's, that's, that's beautiful, yeah. And it is, it's beautiful. And he started, his back gets coming back, this, this guy around Krishna Yendi, he was called, and he's still there now in Mapsa. So he started opening these packets and showing me and saying, like, you know, this. He said, not only is the app, not only is the masala method superior to the dipstick method, because there are a few masala, commercial masalas, like yeah. Mike Champa in the blue box, like Oshifa and Jani, there's yeah. another one called Nina Supreme, all very good, very good compared to the dipsticks. Of course. But what I have in my box, different again, these, he said, these are temple masalas. These are made in a small secret family village and they're made purely for the temples and the festivals. They don't put them in cardboard boxes. They don't try to compete on the market. They don't sell them in the shops. If you want these, you have to go to the temple or the festival on that time and you will find these on sale in bulk and you buy by the weight. Yeah. And they will serve you 110 grams, 100 grams, a kilo, whatever. You buy by the weight and not by the number of sticks. Everyone is handmade. Everyone is blessed with a Hindu blessing as they're rolled and something about it's the unmarried women that do the rolling and the married women after they get married they're put into the packing department so they're rolled <laughs> on the legs of sweet young virgins. Bumbly bum, and you know, and the stories he told. And they have to get virgins in there somehow, don't they? Yeah, yeah. And, you know. Uh-huh. But anyway, he tells me these stories and this is what got me into it. And, So I started buying this and bringing it back to the West and people were going, wow, wow, everywhere I went, wow, what is this, what is this? And it yeah. was, the only thing that put people off was again, the packaging and the price. But I knew I was onto something. And I spent about two years trying to convince Ram Krishna that he should deal with me on a wholesale basis and let me rebrand his, his packets. Mm-hmm. I even sort of remember doing labels up, calling it Ram Krishna Yandi, special maps of incense. But he wasn't interested, and again, it's a bit of the Indian psyche, and sad to say, 
we had a falling out over prices. I think it was the second or third year of trading and I, I started doing it. It was only small scale, but it was still quite big for a little maps of trader. And I was yeah. spending a thousand pounds or something like that to bring stuff back. And I went back, I think the second or third year, right Ram, I've been doing so much work in England. I've got the, you know, there's a, a market that I've established in certain areas. Shops are ready to buy this. So I'm going to be like placing big orders this year. and. It really started me, it was like, well, I'm sorry, Mr. Paul, I've talked this over with my father and the rest of my family, and we can't offer you any wholesale discounts. Oh. If you buy one packet or if you buy one lakh packet, it is the same price, the same price, the same price. I cannot give you any discount, this is special. And, mm. and I still don't really understand his mentality on it, but he stuck to his guns. And I, uh, well, I had a few other contacts in the market um so i started putting the word around like you know do you know where i'm christian gets and he gets his yeah, insects yeah, yeah. from who's his man and uh, <coughs> funny enough it was one of the grocers who i used to buy my my groceries off of who said well look I, he he goes to bum he goes to mumbai every every month i have a father-in-law up in mumbai and i'm asking to go out and look around and it took about three or four months. The, this old man up in Mumbai went out looking and looking and come, sent samples back. And each time I'd, he'd call me in, mm, nothing. No, it's okay, but nothing. No, it's not what he's got. Yeah. And then one day I got a call from them. They said, "Oh, please come in. Please come in. We're really excited, <laughs> oh, Mr. Paul. We can't believe what we found on your behalf." Yeah. And I went in, and the whole family was there waiting for me. The, the son of the grocer and the grand and the and they were all smiling happy and said we thank you because you brought blessings to us we didn't know this stuff existed right and this is wonderful this is i mean absolutely wonderful and like they've they've found not necessarily all of where he got it from and he's still got some secrets around there's no two ways about it of course but they found one of one or two of his suppliers and they brought some samples back and it really was amazing stuff and the prices were amazing too it was like one turned out to be quite a bit of a great eye for all this <laughs> and instead of instead of giving me the 20% discount that I'd asked for yeah. I was able to buy 20% of the price that he paying. <gasps> I mean it really was I, yeah. was I was paying between a half and a fifth of what he charged me and I was able to buy kilos of loose yeah. instead of the bags it was always packed in the bags that he wanted it to he'd never right. seen me loose sticks so I started up my own stall in Nanjing, the flea market. I was living there and I bought in kilos of this stuff and set it up and bang, there was Happy Harry's range of my own brand incense. I got my labels printed and it started off from there really. Ram came around, he wasn't too happy. Oh, you've done a really bad thing, Mr. Paul. You've, 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 you've ruined me for one rupee or something. You know, one rupee on a hundred thousand packets, Ram is like, <laughs> Yeah. It's your fault, and it wasn't one rupee, it was, it was a lot it more was than that. It was a lot of rupees, yeah. And, and also I found ones that he didn't have, there's still, like I said, there's still some that he's got, he's got that, I don't know where he gets them from, but he has, mm -hmm. he has got something special. But anyway, that's it, I ran the business for about four or five years, that's when you met me, I, I would go over there, I'd do the flea market in Nanjuna for the, for the season, then I'd come back here, and do Portobello and or go out and do festivals, go on the road. And uh, yeah, did that through to the, about the end of the 90s. And then 
doing various different things, family pressures and all sorts of stuff. Mm. Uh, just ceased trading in 99-2000 um, and uh, packed in the whole business. And I went off and followed my rock and roll dreams. Went and did my own music show, joined the blues band and spent the next 15 years trying to make something in the entertainment business. Didn't quite work out for me. And about four or five years ago, I thought, well, I've, I always, it was always in my mind that this was something that I'd let go to. So if yeah. I had kept on with it, there was a potential success international, worldwide, global success, particularly on one, the one fragrance that I knew, and I saw it coming up more and more, the Blue Box Night Champ with the commercial masala, yeah. which was at the time, what a really you know, top quality. Uh, I, Where did I, that come from? Because 20 years ago, that didn't really exist mm. in England, and then it just suddenly appeared. Well, it? it had always existed. Uh, the, oh, story, it existed. the story of Blue Box Night Chamber goes back about 50 years, and it, got, it took off in America, first of all. The stories I've heard is that um, Bob Dylan and the Grateful Dead used to bring out their concerts. Right. And then they, the company, although they're not associated in any way with the, the guy known as Sachi Saibaba. Yeah. Somehow or another used his image on their boxes and called it Sachi Saibaba Night Chamber. Now whether there was a connection or not, I don't know, but as far as I can tell, they're two separate entities. Yeah. But they must have paid something to the ashram for it, but it's nothing to, to actually do with Saibaba. But that helped as well, because Sachi Saibaba's got millions of followers all around the world. Yeah. So people would buy this because it was his. But also, it was, in commercial terms, really the very best commercial incense available from India. The, the fragrance was absolutely de divine and delightful. Yeah. And I had one, I found one in this range of samples that got sent to me that was pretty much an identical, absolutely spot on. You, you couldn't tell the difference between them. The only thing was mine was covered in gold dust, had little sprinkles on it. Every now and again, it wasn't every time, it was, I think it was, again, it was depending on the time of year, depending on the festival, but at certain times of the year, they would sprinkle little gold brass, brass flakes, brass powder into the mix, and they would have a sparkle. Nice. So I called it Night Chamber Gold. Uh -huh. And everybody tried it, said, oh, wow, this is just as good as the blue box, lovely, lovely smell. Well, then we stopped in 99, 2000, Decided to get it back together again in 2010, 2011, and just went out to see what was on the market. And I saw that there's lots of other night jumpers out there, but the blue box and all the other competitors that come online had totally changed its, its recipe. And I'd kind of known this as well. I remember hearing back in 99 how the father of the company had died and the sons had taken over the company and they brought out loads of different fragrances, mm. loads of different Nag Champa products. So there was Nag perfume oils and garden size sticks and yeah. Nag Champa soaps and Nag Champa this and Nag Champa that. But the fragrance wasn't the same. No, no, they no. had to basically, it, it seemed to me that they'd had to cheapen the, the fragrance to keep it at the cost. Night yeah. Champa then was selling for a pound a packet and to keep it at a pound a packet, 15 grams, they had to replace some of the more expensive ingredients for, for cheaper ones. And I didn't really take too much notice until I got back onto the incense business and, and it really was, it had changed and changed. So mm -hmm. it was, to me, I mean, you can't recognize it as, as a real Night Champa anymore. It's still, it's not bad.
It's not bad. It doesn't have the it's weight, bad does it? It's, 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 not something the, about the, it's not got the complexity, it's not got the richness, it's not yeah. got the balance that, that it used to have. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot more masala incenses on the market now, quite a lot of Champers from half a dozen different companies at least, but they're all following the same trend. They're all in a cardboard box, they're all 15 sticks, 15 grams to they're all selling for between a pound and a pound fifty, and they've all got that same kind of it's okay, but nothing too special smell. It certainly wasn't what Night Champer used to be, and certainly wasn't what my Night Champer Gold smelled like. So I thought, right, let's get back on the market, let's get back into the business and see if I can find these old suppliers and if I can still find that one because I reckon and I, I did more and more research and you know you saw you start seeing Nightjammer blue boxes everywhere now yeah, yeah it wasn't so big 20 years ago but it was still around but you didn't sure. see it everywhere but now it's taken over and taken over and I mean mm -hmm. pretty much I'd say 99% of the shops that sell incense in the United Kingdom have got the blue box Nightjammer is the best seller yeah but it's it's not got the same smell. People are buying it because of the box. They're addicted to that packaging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same like Coca-Cola. But I did a bit more research and the company is massive. The, the sales of the blue box are now in the billions of dollars. They're one of India's biggest export companies, one of the biggest bringers in the foreign currency, just for this one packet. Billions, billions. I had no idea. Billions. I mean, like, I know, I mean, I'm, I'm friends now with one of the, one of the two official importers into this country and he reckons he brings in 40 container loads a year Jesus. of just this 15 gram packets of matcha. Yeah. That's three and a half million packets I think or uh -huh. 15 I can't remember the number but it's, it's massive, massive. And with all the rip-offs and everything. But so I thought, well, a billion dollar company wouldn't mind a little percentage of that. Of course. So I went back up to India and started doing my research, put my feelers out, contacted the guys in Mapsell on the ground. My, my father-in-law's dead now, but like, if you go to this place in, in Mumbai, you might find somebody who remembers him and there was this shop and this shop to try. And I sent off for a few samples and I got something back that was like, yeah, it wasn't the it wasn't the same one. It didn't have the gold fleck in it. They'd never heard of putting gold fleck in it, but it had the same fragrance, and it was a night chamber, and it was beautiful. And I actually went down to Bangalore soon after getting those samples. I went down to Bangalore just to see if I could find a supplier in the main town, and maybe a cheaper price as well. And I actually went to the Blue Box factory and got showed around three stories, all these women sitting there rolling the sticks, but I could smell in the air, it's not the same. Yeah. And as I left, I turned to the manager who kindly showed me around, and I said, well, very nice of you, but like, these are the sticks that I'm going to bring to the market very soon, I'm going to call them Mad Jump of Gold, and I handed him a little packet of mine, and he opened them, took them to his nose, smelt them, and a tear came to his eye, and he leant to me and put his hand on my chest and said, where do you get this from, Baba? <laughs> we've not made this since daddy died uh -huh. now that is a quote from the manager of the Sachi side of a factory in Bangalore Beautiful. we've not made this since daddy died yeah. we've not made this since daddy died mm -hmm. where you get this from I, said, I can't tell you where I get it from but he said, well, you've, you've got the real thing and this is it I've got the real thing and the size of the Manchampa company the, the Sachi Baba the blue box you could almost call them the Coca-Cola of incense, and it is, it's yeah. the Coca-Cola of incense, but I've got the real thing. Mm -hmm. And I've 
doing, and I've been doing this, I did it then, I'm doing it again now. When I do my market stall, I have a great big, big box of the Blue Box Mansion, but prominently on, dis prominently on display on my stall, yeah. which brings people to my stall. Oh, how much did you want that jumper? And I said, before you buy another packet of the Blue, close your eyes and tell me which one you really like. Yeah. I can honestly say 99 times out of 100. I re so I've recreated the Pepsi Taste Challenge from the 70s. Nice. Um, which one is it? Which do you prefer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coke? If you don't know the difference, which one do you like? Where's the stores? Is in India, really? I've done it here on stores here. I've done it in India. I've done it stores everywhere I go. I travel around. I, and yeah. I don't do stores too much these days, but that's what I, if I do, that's what I do. That's how I promote it. You want to know how much the blue box is, but before you try that, try the gold. And 99 times out of 100, 999 times out of 1,000, a blind taste test, I guarantee they will choose the gold over blue. Mm. Every time, every time, because. And what I've discovered, the actual missing ingredients is a substance known as Halmadi, H-A-L-M-I-D-D-I, Halmadi resin. And it's a rare resin from a tree that grows in India that is so expensive that for the commercial companies to put it in their sticks, a blue back of the blue box and that jumper would be 295 for 15 grams so instead of a pound. If the market could even provide that well, much. They don't, they don't want to take the chance. No. So rather than rather than keep the quality. What sort of ingredients have you got in there, do you think? because well, the names are gorgeous. Because they were just the names of the ingredients are lovely to hear those. I'm not too sure, but the Halmadi is the is the secret ingredient. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of a good, a lot of good quality incenses are based on Halmadi, but you won't find many of those in the. In and Nagchampa itself is a flower. Nagchampa is a flower. The name means snake blossom. Beautiful. Uh, Nag is snake. Champa yeah. is blossom. Okay. Um, it's a member of a kind of marigold orchid family. The real name is called the Golden Champa. Mm -hmm. But because the stymon and the pistils, or the pistil and the stymons, the, the bits inside the flower, as it grows, they kind of, the two bits form together above the middle bit and form a, a little snake hood, like a cobra. Okay. So it's known as the snake flower. That's the, that's the nickname. Yeah. And it's a nickname. It's a, not a proprietary name. Mm -hmm. Anybody can own it. Anybody can call their insect and make jambi if it doesn't have the smell. <laughs> yeah. But it's like jasmine or sandalwood or mm -hmm. patchouli or anything. It's, it's a name that anyone can use. But big company such as Baba are so aggressive and so big now that they're trying to call the shots and I know this for a fact that there's at least three major wholesalers in Europe I've heard this four actually who have told me in confidence that they've received letters from the Sachi Baba company saying you if you want to continue to import our products our Natchamba you must remove all other companies Natchamba from your catalog yeah, they're not allowed to do this, but as my friend yeah. says, I'm bringing in four to containers a, a year. I yeah. can't really afford to upset them. And so they're trying to use their commercial muscle to muscle out the others. And it's a bit naughty, really. But, very naughty. But what the hell, I don't care. Yeah. It's like, well, I do it a little bit because my friend, if, it, if he wasn't stuck with his 40 kilos, I know he'd put mine on it in his catalogue. Mm. But quality, to me, quality will will come to the top yeah and everybody who's tried it agrees that mine is the best and it's not just the best night chamber i'd say i've got the best sandalwood i've got the best patchouli i've got the best frankincense rose yeah. myrrh i've got a range of complex temple masalas that don't have a 
an individual note fragrance, but you try them, I call them the Yoga Sutra range, and they're like your attempting sounds there. Yeah. Complex fragrances. That Have you got a website? Yeah, yeah, happyhariincense.com, H-A-P-P-Y-H-A-R-I-I-N-C-E-N-S-E.com, happyhariincense.com. All right, well, we'll have links to that too. <laughs> Good hope. Excellent. So, yeah, one of, one of those. It'd be nice to... So what's the, what's the next stage for your business? What are you doing well, next? Well, what I did, uh, well, just going back a little bit, I decided to start it and they'd sent me some samples. Yeah. So eventually, I, after Bangalore, I went out to Mumbai and to see the, the supplier. And he knew Ram Krishna, so I was, I was on the track. And he said, would you like to visit the village? Uh, this had never, I'd never had this before. I no. always had to deal through one, two, three, three agents. But he took me up to the village. In fact, made a phone call. We got on a train and we went off, and it was like two, three hours out of Mumbai to this little Indian village on the rail stub, and then drive around on a on a bike. And we came out onto this kind of a plain that was like a sort of. Um, a grassy hill, which same as impossible for India, but that's still in my head. A grassy hill going up with a little knot of trees on the top and a river at the bottom and with a little bridge and I could see kids jumping off the bridge into the river and bluebirds flying and it felt like zippity-doo-dah. And although going through the streets to get there, it was still India, rubbish on the streets and dogs barking and dumb dum dum we suddenly got to this place that was and then out of this world, it was like a, a small walled compound, circular compound. The inside was totally pristine and clean, grass, green grass. And this little blue four or five story building in Art Deco style. No, and totally, yeah, I mean, I've seen totally, that beautiful. Yeah, yeah I had not seen anything like this. It was, it, was, it was like a small mini Empire State building. Okay. And we went in, and like I said, as we got through the gate, the whole place became pristine, clean, flowers and, and stuff growing. And we met the man in, in charge called Mr. Dilip. And I'm pretty cynical about all these spiritual things, but I can honestly say that's the closest I've ever come to being in the presence of a spiritual being. I, I even feel the buzz now when I talk about it. That's really interesting. He just had something special about it. And this was a yogi. This was a guy that got up every morning and did his yogic exercises, uh -huh. did his meditation, did his ta his mantras and his yantras and his asanas and sutras and, and totally believed it and totally lived it and spread the word through his work of producing incense for the gods and bringing people from the family in the village into his Ever is the wrong word, but into his environment yeah. and giving them this work to do that was in, as well as being working as puja, it was kind of like they're uh, working for God, yeah, so yeah. everything that they do is a blessing. What, what was his name? His name was Mr. Dillip. Oh, his was Mr. Dillip, yeah. okay, yeah. And he couldn't speak English, but my friend was there um, translating. And what he said to me, a few things he said to me, but as far as I remember, it was something like, with me there is no compromise. I don't try to compete with these carpet box wallers. Mm -hmm. I don't put my incense on the shelves of a shop. I make my incense for God, the same to the same recipes that God gave to my father, my grandfather, my great-great-grandfather, going back generations. 
It's not a question of trying to make money, of course, I have a family to support and the, and the workers, so I have to make, yeah. make a, a profit. But the price of the ingredients is irrespective. If God decides an ingredient goes up in price, this is God's will. God sees everything, how can I cheat God? There is no compromise. There is no compromise. I thought this is just beautiful. There is no compromise. Mm -hmm. Exactly. The night chamber that he was producing there was the same fragrance that I had smoked 20 years ago. Right. Can't say that about anything in a cardboard box. <laughs> Even the Shiva and Johnny seems to have lost a little bit of its yeah. original soul. And we just spent a couple of hours there. He showed me around. I took some pictures. I've got a little video clip. It's all on, available through my website, or not my website, but I've got Tumblr links that take you off to the okay. to pictures and uh, Facebooks and yeah, give me some links for that. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's a lovely little video. With them. It's not just a few seconds, but you see them rolling the incense and nice. making the dough and cooking the stuff up. Yeah. And the boxes of Halmadi and the great big boxes of. Um, coconut jaggery and honey and stuff and his little chemical wear laboratory and bits and pieces. I haven't got a picture of him, funny enough. I don't know where I, I missed it, but that's probably just as well anyway. Keep him yeah. aware And <laughs> it was just like beautiful. And, and again, speaking through the interpreter, the women were saying, we are blessed. We are blessed to be here. This work is our blessing. This work is our puja. We love this and we do bless each step as we roll it. And it's beautiful. It was really one of the most uplifting experiences of my life. I'd, I'd been having some serious emotional family problems up until that day. Yeah. That day. And I remember coming back to my hotel and catching my reflection in the mirror and thinking, wow, you're smiling again. No. Nice. And it was like this buzz of this yeah. man. No, I can, I can sense it off you because it, yeah. it, that, that was. What part of India was this in? Well, it was in northern Maharashtra. No, I don't really know where No, it's somewhere out there, yeah. And, but it was away from the main incense manufacturing places. And this, again, is what really struck me as well. Mm. This was a beautiful little tiny village where everybody knew each other. People sitting around were all family. It was like, okay, they're working, but there was, you know, 10 women in a room and they're all chatting about their husbands and like the, 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 the well, actually, the rollers were, the rollers were unmarried. Mm -hmm wearing Judy Dyers and the Packers were Back married. Back to the virgins, yeah. And the Packers were married wearing their saris. And that was the other thing, they were all wearing bright coloured clothes. Mm -hmm. They're nice clothes, they're smart clothes, the clothes they wear to the temple. Yeah. Then in Bangalore, everybody, it was all women, same, same sort of thing, but they were all wearing, wearing drab browns and greys. It was a unionised thing. They were complaining about how dirty the work was because they got soot ingrained into their hands. And they were living in Bangalore. They were living in a, in a giant slum city of seven million people all jumped on top of each other and having to climb over broken stones and leaking sewers and yep, no, dead wow. people in the streets and all the crap that you get in a giant Indian metropolis. That was their life and it's the same as our life in, in London on different levels, but the stress of city life is being rolled into every stick of cardboard box one of incense. Yeah, 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 yeah. The lifestyle of the people that make the incense I think is, in, I, again, I'm cynical, but I believe mm -hmm. that the, the quality of the life of the person who makes the product is released when you burn the stick. Kind of like free-range incense. Exactly. <laughs> free range, yeah, exactly that. Or get free-range incense. So, uh -huh. Yeah, that, that's brilliant. That, that actually, that's the word I've been looking for. <laughs> free range.
what, what sort of range you got? What sort of names have you got these days? I've got 24 names? different fragrances now yeah. in the range. Oh, actually, no, I've just added two more. So 26 now. Um, there's the Mag Champa Gold is my, is my flagship. Yeah. That's, that's beyond anything. I'd say that's 95% of my business. Yeah. Mag Champa Gold. Um, I've got Mina Supreme, which is another commercial one, which is a commercial one, but like it's never been sold in England, which I have repackaged, which I get from Bangalore, and that's to the lovely old incense that I really like, that hasn't changed over 20 years. I've got a fantastic new, well, they sent me five sticks four years ago of something called Oud Masala. You mentioned it, because that's, that's an Arabic thing. Yeah, I, I, well, I'd never heard of the word before, I'd never heard yeah. of the substance, and since then I've done some research. Oud is the Arabic name for agarwood, A-G-A-R, agarwood. Okay. Which I think is where the term, because the Indian name for incense sticks Agabati. is agarbata. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kind of think it must be from there, agarwood yeah. batons or yeah, something yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. That's where the term comes from. The word in England is aloeswood. And in... Uh, appropriately enough, the Tibetan name is Eaglewood. Okay. Small happy eagle, small happy eagle, Eaglewood. Uh-huh. And it's in the Guinness Book of Records as the most expensive natural fragrance in the world. Right. I've since glued myself, I've found a contact for the actual wood, wood chips and powder, which, depending on the grade, starts at a thousand pounds a kilo. Mm-hmm. And the essential oil, 20,000 pounds a kilo. Jeez. And that's more expensive than illegal hash oil. Right. right. So that yeah. puts it in perspective. Uh-huh. And it's a it's a special tree that, to get the real oil and stuff, only grows in the wild, in the jungles, in high mountainous regions. The three main areas of the world are Indonesia, Australia, but the best of the best of the best of the wood comes from Assam, North India, Assam. Mm-hmm. the north, eastern Indian mountain provinces. The trees are up to 600 years old mm. and are attacked by a fungus. And as the fungus kills the tree, the tree produces a resin to kind of protect itself, very much like a pearl, uh, yeah. like an oyster creating exactly. And this resin is valued above all things. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the Arabic thing, a lot of Indian agri-wood or food and from other countries is exported to the, to the Arabian world, where according to one old, I think it's a Sufi, but it's one old Arabian Persian poem from many years ago, Oud is more precious than rubies, Oud is more precious than pearls, Oud is more precious than life itself, Oud is the whole wide world. Mm-hmm. Wars were fought in the olden days between Arabic kings to invade another country to grab the other kings at Oud and smash. <laughs> the Japanese revere it above all things. There are Japanese incenses somebody showed me a few years ago that is like $15 a stick, really ultra minimalist, tiny yeah. little thin wire yeah, yeah, sticks. Yeah. They're like made with just the oud or they have oud masters that might sort of sit there in zen mastery and looking into a piece of wood to find the best beat and just chip that out. There's apparently a piece of oud that was washed up on the shore of Japan in the 17th century, big piece that is in the Japanese National Museum. Right. That stuff is an absolutely weird thing. I'd never heard of it before. Uh-huh. These sticks came through. He said, no, we've just created this. We think it's our masterpiece. Please don't burn them too soon. Make sure, you know, that we've 
there's only 10 sticks in the whole world at the moment. Wow. We've sent you five of them. Don't bring them all yourself. Please send them to your, to your customers. I thought, yeah, says, what, what can they show me? I lit one, went on to my work, and 10 minutes later, I felt myself literally coming out of my body. It wow. was like a surreal fragrance experience. I've not had it since, but the smell of the hood is just absolutely incredible. I've since then, I've got the wood chips, I've got the oil, and the, on its own, it's a really strong, pungent smell that a lot of people, particularly women, just can't stand at all. It's like, it, it's almost got barnyard connotations, but you know, you have to realize what it is. It's dying, decaying wood. Yeah. Fungus almost, and it is a very strong, pungent smell. Barnyard smells, they call it. Curious. Get you, and super complex. Because I've only ever smelled perfumes made with it, yeah. not yeah. The, the, in combination. Well, this is it. When you get into it and start mm -hmm. making the perfumes and everything, then like it becomes all this stuff. And, like, there are lots of them. But I put some mood oil into my hair grease the other day, went out and did a gig, and they complained about the smell being too strong for the food. Really? I had to put my hat back on. <laughs> <laughs> But to me, because I'm used to it and I'm, I'm yeah. wanting to, okay. I'm wanting to find this, you, you get lost in the smell of mood. Mm. Saying that, I'll show you some. Okay, okay, let's do that. This is Oud Essential Oil, 20,000 pounds a kilo. Okay. I've got that in there. Yeah. Now you take the smell of that and you'll see what I mean. Wow, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, almost yeah. horrible, but then it's not. Yeah, 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 but it's not. That's really interesting. Because yeah. I recognise notes of that from the perfumes mm. I've got, but yeah, it goes right down. Funky. Mm. Funky is the word. Interesting. And this is my wound Incense, most expensive incense I've got. Now I've had other rude incenses, I've had some of the Chinese, Japanese stuff sent to me, but mm. with absolute provenance, Indonesian oud sticks, Indian wood sticks and stuff. But they're just oud powder and and a carrier thing. Mm. This is a complete this is a masala. He's he's added other things to it and like I was saying earlier and made a So it's, it's the composition, yeah. It's the composition. Oh my God, that's incredible. I can't even begin to describe that. I can't even begin. It's amazing. This is the fragrance that Arab billionaires burn in their palaces, burn into their clothes, mm -hmm. over a burning sensor and let the smoke soak into their clothes yeah. to compete with other Arab billionaires as to who has the best oud. Mm -hmm. I got the best oud. I really have. I haven't smelled anything. None of the perfumes. Nothing. This. This. Oh my God! This. That's 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 tingly. Because because perfumes really work with memory and everything, don't they? They really really burn in with things. I mean, I love Mac Champa Gold. I really do. Mm. There's no two ways about it. I love all my incense, but this this lifts me out of myself, and I can't even. No, yeah, I can't even begin to describe it, but it is a masterpiece. That is sensational. What they call him the poet of Agabati. The what? The poet of Agabati. Okay, it's beautiful. Mr. Deliver. You actually sell this one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's... Um, 
like I said, most of my incense, I still manage to do it. 199 for a 10 gram packet, mm. but the oud is twice the price. So the oud is 199, the oud is 399 for a 10 gram packet. Yeah. And because it's so expensive, I make small little packets with just two sticks, which mm. is for 199, so it's basically a pound a stick. Yeah, 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 but that's, 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 that's but an, people, it's an experience, isn't it? it really what is happens experience. is that people will buy, will go, well, okay, we'll just try two sticks and see what it is, and then they'll come back and they'll yeah. buy the bigger packets. So the oud is the only one that I actually do in a range of different sizes I do. The three gram, ten gram, fifty, hundred, and two hundred and fifty gram packets. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that was at um, the Green Gathering a couple of years ago, and people were coming. I know a lot of people come up to me. We bought some of this food last year, and we can't find it anywhere else. We're totally addicted, and we have to buy enough to last us at least another year. And they were buying 40, 50, 60 pounds worth at a time, off of me. That's curious. That's really lovely. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a man happy in his work. So what, what else, what other range have you got? Tell, tell us your range. So yeah, so I've got Mad Champ, my three best sellers if you like, are Mad Champ, Gold, Mina Supreme and Oud Masala. And then I've got a range that I call the Kings of Incense, which are single type fragrances, Amber, Frankincense, Myrrh, I've just had a little Lotus, um, saffron, sandalwood, rose, um, and a Vrindavan flower, similar to what the Harry Krishna's going about, but better. And they're single notes, they're masala bases, but they're single notes. You can discern that individual fragrance, the mm. sandalwood, mm. The, the rose, or whatever. And if I could find a better sandalwood, or a better rose, or a better frankincense, or a better mirror, I'd buy them. Yep. But they haven't. Mm -hmm. And I really haven't. I can say that oh, I haven't smelled anything like those. They are kings of incense. Mm -hmm. The next range I've got is, like I said, the, the complex masalas that you can't put a single note fragrance to. And because they're all made secret family recipes, nobody's going to yeah. tell me what's in it. And I am denied about what to call them really. It's like the last time it was like Temple Masala 1, Temple Masala 2, Temple Masala 3, but that sounded a bit boring. And so I did a bit of research and knowing that the man that makes them is a true yogi. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine most of the workers do their yoga as well, so they're yogis and yoginis. And I was doing a, a, the yoga show. I branded a range of them as the Yoga Sutra range. Makes sense. And I've named each one after a particular sutra of of yoga. And now I didn't know anything about yoga really, I'm not a practitioner. I did my first lesson yesterday to be honest. But by doing the research, by putting the names on the packets, by also explaining just in one word what each of these names means in the aspect of yoga, yeah. I've taught myself okay. what yoga means and I figure other people must be reading this as well and they must be learning about yoga. And so in my own funny little way, without really meaning to, I'm teaching the world about yoga. So I've got one that's called Asana Sutra, Dharana Sutra. I mean, the very fact that I can actually name them. Asana, Dharana, Dhyana, Nayama, Pranayama, Prachari, Samadhi, and Yama. Nice. You know, I know them. And, yeah, I'm not saying this one was made 
particularly, especially for Pranayama Sutra. Of course, but it, it fits in. It's a reference and point to point that you can't, you can't do reference to. If I'm right, Pranayama is the, is the, the breath. Asana is the contortion, the exercises. Yeah. Prachahari, as far as I remember, is detachment. And Samadhi is absorption into the absolute. Okay. And you know, and I've got that written on the packets, and I say to people, you know, this is detachment from reality. And they go, oh, I need some of that. <laughs> that and I haven't yet come up with Kama Sutra. That's going to be the next one. Okay. Kama yeah, Sutra. Yeah. That's, that's my idea. And, mm -hmm. I'm, and here's another little story going back to the Angina Flea Market a couple of years ago. There's quite a few stores selling incense now, copying around Krishna. There's a lot of stores selling hammocks. Loads of stores selling hammocks. I mean, like, really, I've changed the, the landscape down on that flea market. The last count, there must have been at least 60 different stores selling various variations on my original mm -hmm. Happy Hammocks, Happy Hammock. And quite a few insect stores as well. And I saw some young boy in his 20s with the like, same thing, plastic Tupperware boxes, blah, blah, and different names, we're just checking the names, and he's got one they call Viagra for Sex Incense. <laughs> and there's, there's Westerners, there's these in English guys and, and women queuing up going, oh, oh, Viagra for Sex Incense, oh, oh, I know somebody who needs some of that, I need some of that, he needs some of that, and they buy that, buy that, doesn't buy it. And I say to the guy, that's genius, that is. Yeah. I said, I thought I'd never come out with names like Fragrant Haring and Heaven Scent and Holy Shit and stuff like that. But fire for seconds, that is just absolutely brilliant. He goes, you don't remember me, do you, Mr. Paul? And I go, no, not really. He said, 10 years ago, I used to stand by your stall and watch what you were doing. Oh. And I saw all the names and I kept a note and I remembered them and I remembered exactly what you were doing and I decided yeah, then that I want to be an insect seller when I grow up and mm -hmm. I've taken a leaf out of your book and changed the names to fit the Western market. You, Mr. Paul, mm -hmm. and my incense guru. <laughs> <laughs> went to um, what do they call it? An adult toys trade show at National Exhibition Centre a little while ago. Uh -huh. Sex toys and everything. With the idea, and I'm promoting the idea, and I, I haven't quite followed it up yet. But incense for sex is a great idea. Everybody likes a nice smell in the bedroom when they're doing it. And mm -hmm. if you go in to places like Love Honey and stuff like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know and all the rest of it, so incense for sex. So I've got the brand name and I've got three products in, in mind and I've taken a tip from him and I've called it Viagaroma. <laughs> Light up your sex life. Three different size sticks to, to last as long as your love. Right. So I've got the thin How long does the stick get? How long does it get? There's three different you know, size three sticks, different right? Sticks. So okay. I've got the... Well, I've got the man-sized stick, which is an example of gold, which burns for about 40 minutes. Um, the king-sized stick, which is Mina Supreme, which burns for about an hour. And the emperor-sized stick, which is my emperor amber, which is a 10-gram stick, which will burn for about three and a half to four hours. Right, yeah. The ambitious stick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
And even the meanest Supreme actually, I counted up old stories with that before, and I called, I called that one the Jiggy Jiggy Stick. Because mm -hmm. the original picture is, from, is an old picture from the garage of a, of a guy and a girl looking lovingly into each other's eyes, and then on the back of their lying down in each other's arms. Yes. I made up this whole story. So originally, originally created in the 16th century to celebrate a royal wedding, with an alchemist from the two courts comes inspired together to create fragrance that nobody could tell what was in it but it's said to enhance the nuptials of a royal boudoir and is known locally as the jiggy jiggy stick uh beautiful story people go all jiggy jiggy stick and yeah it's a nice story and there is a little bit of truth in it because what i've heard about that one mina supreme is that the recipe is a secret family recipe that, mm. uh, that one part of the family knows half of it the other family knows the other half of it the two parts are blended separately and then brought together and mixed in the factory yeah. a bit like the twix after it the left Twix and the right Twix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I don't know if that's true, that just might be a little bit of bull that they've given me. It's a lovely story. Like and it. actually, Mina Supreme, I'm not, there, is, there is something going on because there's been a bit of a family dispute and the factory's been closed for six months and they're not able to make it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And one of the brothers sent me his range of new incense. Oh, Mr. Paul, you'd be so pleased to know I've started my own incense. Here's some of my samples and they all smell like half a Mina Supreme. Uh, <laughs> and it's like, right, well, go back and make peace with your brother. Yeah. Get the this ain't, ain't cutting the mustard for me. Right. But yeah, it's a funny old, uh, funny old business, in a sense. What a lovely business to be in. I mean, well, it's, it's such a treat to actually link up with you. Uh, from well, I've been, I've been, a lot of people tell me I'm a, I'm a wind-up merchant, so I've taken it on board that, on board that my mission in life is to incense the world. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, let's, let's, um, I'll, I must say the rupee is a rather fantastic rate at the moment. Can I afford it? Absolutely not. So I'm going to stay here making more episodes of Isotopica. And today you have been listening to me chatting with the most lovely Paul Eagle, Happy Harry, purveyor of some of the world's finest incense. And as a man whose nose has been around town a few times, I can tell you that with a degree of authority. Um... You can find details of today's show, as usual, on my website, www.theculture.net, and on iTunes, etc. And if you are interested in some of Harry's incense sticks, he's got a rather amazing... Oh, it's actually not amazing, it's just a website. That's right, it's too many superlatives can just spoil the mix, can't it? His website being happyharryincense.com, and that's spelled H-A-R-I, no double R's and Y's for Harry, no happy Harry incense. You have been listening to me on iStopica here on 
on Resonance 104.4 FM. If you feel you've been deeply affected by any of the issues raised in today's episode, then as usual, you can contact us through the website. One more time, www.thecoach.net. This is me, Simon Tishko, signing off for another seven days. Come back for further cultural detours sometime in the next seven days. Lots of love. Simon signing out. Bye. This program was brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. Visit our website at resonancefm.com to hear our vast range of original 24-7 broadcasts. Resonance is a not-for-profit broadcast platform and relies on public support. If you like what you've heard, make a secure donation at resonancefm.com.